Hello there. Welcome to the How to Market Your Horse Business podcast. I am Denise Alvarez, your host, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Now, just in case we're new friends, I'll take just a moment to tell you about myself and my business, and then we will get into the meat, so to speak, of the podcast. My name, as I said, is Denise Alvarez, and through my business, Storm Lily Marketing, I get to help horse business owners like you convert your website visitors into your customers. And I get to do that through one-on-one coaching, website design and website content, email marketing strategy, and my membership, Social Stride, where I help you with your social media content. Now, I get that not everybody loves marketing. You love horses, right? And so you may be listening to this podcast because you have to, and I get that, but I'm so glad that you're here because I'm going to help you with a mix of step-by-step strategies and basic how-tos because I want to help you see what's possible when you actually market your horse business well. And then I also want to guide you through that process to make it happen. So it is doable, and I am here to help you do it. Now today, I have a guest joining me on the podcast. Her name is Mandy Flanders, and I was honored to be on her podcast, The Lead Line, a few weeks ago. We talked about advertising strategy, and it was just a really great conversation, and so I invited her to come over here and meet you all as well. So in this episode, you're going to meet Mandy. You're going to hear a little bit of her story, how she got involved in the equine industry, and what she is doing there now as a podcaster and as a business coach as well. And she's just going to share with you some specific insights and business tips that she has learned over the years. So it's all about being practical today, right? So these are just some practical tips that I want you to walk away with and really consider things like when it's okay to trust your gut and should you and how do you know if you should or not or why there's wisdom in getting a mentor, right? We all know there is. So she and I talked a little bit about that and about some lessons that she has learned along the way. And so I really think it's just going to be a very practical episode and conversation that you can walk away making a new friend and Mandy like I did, and then also thinking of some new ways that you can run your business. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mandy and I. Here we go. Hey, Mandy, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I am so grateful that you're here. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Denise. Now, of course, before we jumped onto this, for my listeners, I shared a little bit more about what you are doing, but I'd love for you to share some of your background. Share with us how you became a podcaster in the equine industry and also a business coach for equine entrepreneurs. For sure. So I'm going to go back just a little bit to kind of give you the the whole story in a condensed version really quick. But uh, I started my first equine business about 10 years ago, um, maybe a little bit more than that. And my very first equine business was actually a small printed magazine for equestrians. So when I first got that started, um, I learned very quickly that it's very expensive to run a magazine. So I turned it into an online mag. And from there very quickly took off in the the online space, everything from like live broadcasts, Twitter chats, um, big giveaways with brands, like you name it. So I was doing really well doing this for myself like 10 to 12 years ago, and I was having a blast. Um, but at the time, I didn't know anything about running a business. I just, I knew how to market and I knew that I was outgoing and I liked talking to people. And so I had some skills that I was really good at, but I did not know how 
how to run a successful business. So long story short with that, I seemed like I was doing really well, but I was broke. So it didn't take long for me (laughs) to get out of doing that because it just, I wasn't making any money. So I left the horse industry for a bit. I went and did event marketing for several years and made a lot of money doing that as well as working with my husband who did it too. And so we worked in the event marketing industry for several years. And as you know, in 2020, events uh, went dark, right? Right, (laughs) Um, Everything shut down. My husband and I had this huge contract last year. We were supposed to do all these trade shows with Google, and we were so excited. It was going to be our best year yet. And in March, we were out in Oregon. We live in New York, but we had flown out to Oregon for this job. And they were like, sorry, guys, we have to send you home. It looks like the trade show is getting canceled. And this obviously was the beginning of COVID. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we very quickly realized that, that we were losing all of our work. We had put all of our eggs in one basket and we were doing all events and that was our full main source of income. So, um, again, this is a a bit of a long, long, long version. (laughs) It gives everybody a really good understanding of your perspective and what you bring to the table. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, a few months later, I, you know, I, I loved doing event marketing, but I was also doing event staffing at the same time. And so the staffing industry, I did not enjoy it anymore. It was stressful. I was on call 24 seven. I was dealing with clients that had super unrealistic expectations about everything, but it, it was just crazy. So I said, you know what, maybe this is the opportunity I've been waiting for to get back to doing what I love. So Thinking back to that online magazine that I sold back in 2014, I actually ended up buying it back in 2020. And I said, I'm going to go back to doing what I love. Um, The friend I had sold it to wasn't doing too much with it anymore. And she's like, you know what, Mandy, I've been thinking about contacting you anyways about selling this back to you. So it all worked out. I bought the online magazine back and I very quickly just like picked up where I left off in the horse industry back in like 2014. So that's really where you know everything comes full circle for me is that I left for a bit. I went and got a lot of experience working with big brands, doing a lot of marketing, dealing with a lot of business people. And I came back to the horse industry really strong with a lot of new insight and experience on that side of things. So here I am back in the horse world. All right. So, so from that, then, like you said, you're now podcasting as well. So I had the pleasure of being on your podcast, so I'm excited to have you on mine. So you have the lead line podcast, right? And then you also have this group and then you are also doing business coaching and mostly for the members right now that are in your group. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so as we chatted and I told, um, for my listeners, I told Mandy, I said, okay, I know you have so much to share. Give me some of your ideas. What are you passionate about, uh, sharing about and talking about? And so she said that something that she has learned in her years of experience and in watching others is, um, running your business from a perspective of your intuition. And so I would love to hear from you. Why is this, um, a touch point for you. Why did you want to share with that? I know whether it's inside or outside of the equine industry, you have likely seen a lot of business owners get to watch them from the front row, how they run their businesses. So tell me about what you've seen and especially how you've seen successful entrepreneurs run their businesses. Yeah, for sure. 
And one thing I really want to touch on first before we even get too deep in the intuition side of things is that in the horse industry, we are very passionate people, right? We just love horses. We love what we do. Like no one can convince us not to love our horses. Like forget it. Yeah, (laughs) That's just, it's just in our blood. Yeah. So we're very passionate to begin with. And then, you know, for those of us that have a bit of that entrepreneurial spirit and are creative, we're thinking, wouldn't it be great to make money? doing what I love. So that's where a lot of horse businesses I've found have been birthed is that someone's got that passion first and foremost, but then they're like, Hey, how can I make money doing this? And so it becomes, um, oftentimes like a side hustle, kind of a hobby on the side where they're doing it in addition to their main job or their other sources of income. Um, but the problem is that there's so much passion behind it and there's not as much business experience behind it. So just being from a practical standpoint, that's one of the biggest things I see equine entrepreneurs struggling with is that they've got the passion, but they aren't sure how to craft it and mold it in a way that is actually profitable. And so that's where I've really started to focus a lot of my time and effort is, you know, now that I've come back, I've, I've been that person. I've been there. I had something I was super passionate about that was amazing that honestly I regretted walking away from, but I had to go out and get that business experience and couple the two together because just having the passion by itself doesn't necessarily make you money. You might get lucky. You might make money (laughs) depending on what you're doing. But most of the time, just liking something or loving something is not going to be profitable. So that business experience is so important. Yes, absolutely. That's so true. And I've I've said very similar things, just even very specifically geared toward marketing. It's the same thing. You have to have some, there are some really great horse trainers that are doing really well by not marketing themselves and just doing word of mouth. However, for most people, and especially if you want to scale your message, then marketing is something that you have to think about. And that's the same for general business experiences. Like you said, there's more to running a horse business than just knowing the horse side. Absolutely. Okay. So tell us then a little bit about uh, the intuition side of things, right? So what is it that you have seen equine entrepreneurs or other businesses that are successful? What are some things that you've seen them do well as they run their business? So I'm going to go back into some of my personal experience too, because I just feel like it's so relevant to this particular topic. And when I was young, now, when I first started my first horse business, I think that it's worth mentioning that I was about like 20 years old. So when we're saying like 10, 12 years ago, I'm 32 now, I have no problem sharing that I'm 32, (laughs) but I was back like 19, 20, 21, trying to figure all of this out. I didn't really know much of anything. So when something seemed like a good idea, I just jumped on it and I didn't do the research I didn't like ask around, Hey, do you think this is smart? Do you think this is a good idea? I was just like, yeah, let's go for it. And I would just jump right into it. And I learned a lot of hard lessons that way by just like plowing forward into a decision and realizing later, like, oops, maybe I should have thought about that a little more. So that's where the intuition comes in and the different things that I want to talk about today, because I've learned a lot in those years since I was 20 years old and between then and now as to how to operate a business. Perfect. And I am sure that my listeners can definitely identify with that. Um, So I'm excited to hear more about that. For sure. All right. So, so tell us a little bit more about that then. I know that there are some specific 
things that you have learned or lessons that you have learned in that process. And I know my listeners that are also horse business owners of different degrees and different lengths of time, but I know that they can identify with many of the things that you're talking about. So share a little bit more about some of the practical things that you've learned along the way. Yeah. So I have this thing that I have personally called the rule of three. And what that means is that uh, one thing that I had learned back in jumping into everything without thinking about it is that sometimes it's smart to sit back and look at your options. So I'll throw a few examples at you because I've got a few. Okay. (laughs) But uh, so this one's not related to business, but it's a good example. Now, when my husband and I first got married, we got our first apartment together after we got married. So that, that was the first one that we'd rented together for just the two of us with both of our names on the lease. And we, um, it was in Massachusetts. We lived out there for a few years. So we started looking around, looked online, found some places, and we went to this one. And the first one out of the gate, we were like, this one is awesome. Let's rent this one. And we didn't look at any other places. And again, this came from inexperience not necessarily lack of business experience. It was just inexperience with renting an apartment. We'd never really done it before. We'd lived with other people. So we rented this place together and uh, we just, we thought it looked great because it, you know, everything seemed good with the first impression. And we learned after some time, it honestly, the place was all right. It wasn't a bad place, but uh, like one example, uh, one thing that we didn't like about it is that we learned very quickly that we lived above a chain smoker and the cigarette smoke all like floated up into our apartment and it made all of our stuff smell. So as people who don't smoke, that was really tough for us because like every time someone would come visit, they would smell it. Or if we went out, we could smell it on our clothes. And we didn't know to like ask about anything like that or to see what the options were because we were super inexperienced with renting apartments. So in that scenario, I would have gone back if I were to do things differently and I would have looked at more apartments because once you see more, you know, the more you see, the more you know, you have more options. So that's just one story where I feel like going out and uh, and checking into what what's out there can definitely go a long way. Perfect. Okay. That's great. So number one, we need to make sure that we're looking at our options when we're making some big decisions as business owners. And even when it comes to small things, honestly, like software, you know, like, especially for business owners who really don't often want to think about tech, then they might just land on the first thing that comes up or the first thing somebody um, references to them or that they Google because they just don't even want to have to deal with online bookkeeping, so to speak, you know, or whatever it might be. So take the time to um, look at some of your options and make sure that you're picking uh, what's best for you. So what are some other things that you have for us, Mandy? Yeah. Well, some other scenarios that I could share is that my husband and I also outside invest in real estate. It's more of my husband's project than mine, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I spend some time in it, but it's something he's very passionate about. And we learned a lot of lessons in business when it comes to investing in real estate as well. And one of the things we really learned there was not just following the rule of three, which was implemented after the fact with some of the mistakes we made in that area, um, but it's also like just trusting yourself if something doesn't feel right. We have learned some very difficult lessons, really financially more than anything else. We've lost a lot of money investing in things that we knew felt kind of funny early on, but we just really, really wanted to do it. So we went for it anyways. Mm-hmm. And now here we are, you know, my husband and I have been married for eight years now. I think it's eight. God, I hope it's eight. <laughs> 
the we longer it gets, the more there. I'm like, what's the math? Oh yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> so we, we've been married for eight years, but we have like gone out and just impulsively done some things because we're just like, we're risk takers. I think entrepreneurs oftentimes are risk takers. I, I don't know if you would agree with that, but I think we do take risk. And so we have made some decisions just by taking those risks that we realized in retrospect that we knew it just wasn't our right fit early on. And then we regretted it later. We definitely learned from it. So I I have to say we've learned good lessons as a result, but they were hard lessons to learn. And if we had gone back and just trusted our intuition and our gut instinct on some of these situations, we would probably be farther ahead financially even today than we are just due to some of the losses that we occurred as a result of not trusting ourselves. That's really, really good insight. I mean, I even think of it on a level as the lesson barn or the horse trainer who has a potential client maybe that has come to them. And from the get-go, they're going, something just doesn't feel right. I just don't know if we're a right fit. They seem like they're going to be extra high maintenance or, you know, whatever the case might be. And then I've heard more than one story of those who have said, I wish I would have listened to my gut ahead of time and said, you know, I just don't think it's going to work out or I don't think I have room or whatever the case may be because that gut feeling ended up being right. And it caused so much more problems for them later on. So that's really, really good insight for them, for our business owners that are listening to remember to listen to your gut and don't be afraid to do that because it's most likely right. And you definitely can save yourself some headache along the way. Now you said something about the rule of three. So tell us a little bit more about what that is. What do you mean by the rule of three? Yeah. Well, one of the simplest ways to put it is that when you need to make a big decision, try to find three different um, options. So whether that means, let's say you're looking to hire a contractor, which we've used the rule of three with contractors, you get three quotes. So you, the reason you do three and the reason we've decided to do three is that there's always someone that's a tiebreaker. So someone might come in really low someone might come in really high. And then you've got like that middleman kind of person who's come in with their third quote. And so you can kind of balance it out and see what the average is between the three. One way that I implemented the rule of three just a couple of years ago was when I got my horse back, um, kind of backtracking a little bit. When I had sold my horse business, I also had given my own horse to a friend of mine. So when she came back to me and was given back to me in 2018, I was like, oh my God, I need to board her now because I don't have a place to keep her at home. So I had to go find a boarding facility to keep my mare at. Well, I implemented the rule of three right away. I did some research and asking around and everyone was like, check this barn and this barn and how about this one? So I pulled three of them from the list that I'd compiled from other different, you know, other resources. And I scheduled appointments with three of them. So the first one I went to, I was like, wow, this is great. I think I'm going to board here, guys. I really like you. This is awesome. And the reason I was so excited was because it was the very first one that I had seen. So I just thought everything was exactly what I was looking for. And then I continued on with my appointment. So I didn't cancel the rest. I continued on with the others and I let them know I'd be looking at other barns and would get back to them. So I went on to the second barn. Now, the second barn was located only two miles from my house, and I thought that was definitely going to be a great option because it was super close. Like I I got on my bike and rode over to go check out the barn. That's how close it was. So I thought this is going to be it. This next one is great. 
uh, when I got there, it was just not for me. There was a variety of reasons, but one of the big ones was that the owner had like five giant dogs that like would not stay off me when I showed up. And so that was a big turn off for me. It just, I wasn't going to deal with it. So I said, all right, this bummer, this barn's close, but I just don't really like it. And then the third barn, 30 minute drive ended up being the one that I picked. It was everything I was looking for. It was super clean. It was a very simple drive. Loved the people, super laid back, like everything that I wanted. So it just goes to show that oftentimes we see the first thing that's set in front of us and we think it's the right fit, but it's because we haven't seen what else is out there yet. And sometimes the first one is going to be right. You never know. But if it's an important decision that's going to have a long-term impact on you for whatever reason, it really helps to have options. Look at three. Always look at three because if you do only two, it's harder to break the tie. But the third one, it really just helps put everything in perspective. So, I mean, it's proven with this barn story. I went and chose the third (laughs) one and it's been great. I've had my horse there this whole time. So, yeah, that's really good. Now, you also uh, mentioned something when we were chatting before, I think, about how you have applied this by asking three different people for their opinion on a business decision or something like that. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I do that as well. I I probably implement it more when I'm looking for someone like a contractor or something serious where I'm spending a lot of money, but it also helps to get opinions from other other people when it comes to doing things. And one thing that I mentioned a few minutes ago is that my husband and I had made some poor decisions with real estate investment. So when we came back from that bad decision, we had one particular, one in particular that was like really bad financially. And when we came back from that and we were trying to recover, I said, we are never going to do this alone again without the opinion of someone who has experience in what we're looking to do. And if we had just like swallowed our ego and asked around before we made this decision, we probably would have saved ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of money lost. But we, I wouldn't say we've implemented uh, asking three people in this case, but we had one person in particular my husband went to and was like, listen, this is what happened. We really would love your opinion on this and your guidance and insight. And so we went to someone, just one person in particular that was super experienced in that field who really became a mentor to my husband and helped us do a lot in the real estate field. So that helped us a lot as well as just like asking for that second opinion and um, you might not always have three to ask if you if you don't ask one, ask one person that's really experienced and that will go a long way as well. That's that's great. And honestly, you said something in there that I pulled out and that was the idea of getting a mentor. So I think we hear that so often in the equine world, at least in terms of horse trainers, you hear them say that all the time about how they learn from people before them. And even, you know, I had an interview with somebody yesterday that's going to be on a different podcast episode and she was sharing some of her favorite clinicians and people that she has learned from along the way. And so we hear that, but as business owners, I feel like that's often not the case. So they leave that there on the horse side, but then when it comes to the business side, they feel like they have to just figure it out. And that's not always the case. You can find someone else, find another successful business that you want to not exactly copy, but you admire how they run their business and then go to them and ask the questions that you have. Say, I'm starting out. I'm trying to build my business up. I like what you're doing with this. Would you share some things? Some things that you wish you would have known when you first started out, you know, different things like that. It doesn't have to be a formal mentorship, but it certainly can be looking around and finding people that have done what you want to do 
and then choosing to learn from them intentionally, specifically when it comes to on the business side. A hundred percent. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Okay, awesome. Well, is there anything else, Mandy, that you think my listeners should know about how they can build successful equine businesses? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So to close things off, I just want to share, I tend to like to call myself a recovering perfectionist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, the reason I say that is because now I I come to overthink a lot and I overthink everything. So that's really where I have to come back down to what is my intuition on whatever big decision I need to make. How do I feel about this? Does it feel right? Because sometimes that's all you're going to have to go on. You can do all of the research in the world and something can look perfect on paper and perfect to everybody else. But sometimes those things that look perfect aren't going to be right for you. So taking my perfectionism and setting that aside and saying, all right, I don't have to research everything to death. Like I implement the rule of three when I can, but it's going to be okay if you can't do that. There's going to be instances where you can't implement the rule of three. Maybe there aren't three barns to check out. Maybe there aren't three contractors to get a quote from. Do your best to get what you can, but sometimes you're just going to have to go with whatever feels right in that instance. So I think I would just say, don't overthink things, but definitely put some preparation into the big decisions and try to find a balance between all of those things. So. Perfect. I think that'll be super, super helpful for my listeners. Thank you for sharing so candidly about your own experience for the benefit of the rest of us so that we can learn some of those things. Now, I would love for you to tell everybody that's listening where they can find you online. Where can they connect with you? Yeah, I would say the primary space that I hang out in online right now is my Facebook community, which is the Leadline community named like the podcast, the Leadline podcast. So um, we'd spend a lot of time in that community, like you said, when it comes to finding mentors, connecting with other business owners. This is a really great space for people to be able to do that. I host monthly virtual networking events. So if it's, you know, if someone's listening and they're like, I, I need to find my circle, I need to connect with some other people. You can jump in on these free Zoom calls that I do once a month that are part of this community. So um, for more information on that, you can just search for the Leadline community on Facebook or just go to my website at theleadlinepodcast.com and there's links on there. Perfect. And I'll make sure and include that, of course, on the show notes for today's episode, which will be stormlily.com slash 31 for episode number 31. So for all of you listeners, you can head there and I'll have those links for you as well. And then I'll make sure and put a link there to when I was on Mandy's podcast. So you can listen to that one also. So Mandy, thank you again. I really appreciate you joining. And I know that everybody's going to enjoy learning what you had to share today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Denise. All right. Wasn't that so interesting? I hope that you did enjoy, like I said, just a very practical conversation that you can take and apply in your own business, which is always my goal here on the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mandy. I do have another fun guest next week for you as well. And next week, you're going to meet Danny Powers. You tiny, you little bit kind of, I guess you could say, met her uh, through my interview with Katie Kleinbell as we talked about hidden careers in the equine industry. 
So Danny is one of the people that we talked about. And so she and I connected. And as I learned more about her and what she is doing, I invited Danny to come over to the podcast and share with you some very specific things that she has learned about niching down and how that has helped her to actually grow her business when she narrows down her audience, which seems very counterintuitive. I know. So join me next week for that. But today, if you have any questions about what Mandy and I talked about, please always do reach out and let me know. And of course, there is a link on the show notes, stormlily.com slash 31, so that you can learn more about Mandy and meet her there as well. So thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast, and I will see you next week. 